When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. Hello! Today's episode is brought to you by the letter R. Hi, I'm Don, and this is not Sesame Street. No, this is talking real money. But today's episode is actually kind of brought to you by by the letter R, because today we're going to talk about retirement, recession, there was another R word. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Oh, sorry, that's what comes to mind when you said that. We're, 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 we've got a market that has people concerned, right? To say the least. I think that's saying the least. We have the fear of recession, and that gets a lot of people worried about what might happen to them when they get into this last stage of life that we call retirement. Whether it's retired completely or not, we call it that. And it is kind of scary because you're now, you're no longer relying on work to support your family. Human capital. Yeah. Human capital. Yep. So Mm -hmm. anyway, I'm Don McDonald, Tom Cox over there on this non-Sesame Street episode of Talking Real Money. I was hoping your voice changed and I was going to finally have the nicer voice on the show. (laughs) That lasted, oh, what, 15, 20 seconds. I was feeling good about myself, but didn't Elmo. Elmo love talking real money. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, so, Tom. Yes. You found this piece. I found several. That were, and I love this term, top experts. Well, top what ranked the heck advisors. Is a this top is top advisor. Well, these are advisors that CNBC has picked as their top advisors. Now, how people get on this list. I don't know. Maybe they, you know, rented Jim Cramer in the restroom. Maybe they have CNBC going in their office all the time. Maybe I was wondering how they vetted them. I don't know. know. They they probably tell you somewhere, but again, apparently we're not in that rarefied company. We're not in the top 100 nor the bottom 100, which I guess either way is probably okay. (laughs) Nah, this is, but the the pieces, they're they're, they're thought-provoking. Yeah, give me the title. Let's talk about the title. The first one is say, uh, the top-ranked advisors say, these are the three biggest investing mistakes people make during recessions. Now, you already know one of them. Now that is, but you know, that is sort of a scary headline when you read it. It It's like, oh my gosh, I got to read that. What am I doing wrong if we're going into a recession? So what are those three big mistakes? Well, their, their number one is one that people have made and are making, and that is selling when the stock market drops. Uh, people think, let me rephrase, please. Yeah. After the stock market market has dropped. That's right. Uh, you know, because stocks are down and I don't want to be in those anymore. And uh, people think they're going to, and one advisor says people are thinking they're going to get out low and buy in lower. Yeah, you don't see that very much. Well, uh, no, I mean, they'd be lucky to get out low and buy in before the top again. Yeah, that's the more, and we've seen this and there's data done by 
you know, organizations, organizations. Yeah, that look at that and, and know that it really doesn't work out well. So I think that's I think that's legitimate. Um, but here's the other one that I see that that is worthy of greater discussion. And and the reason we poo-poo the first one is we have we know of no market timing strategy that will help you do that, that'll make that work. Wait you a know? minute. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that my strategy of knowing when it feels wrong and when it feels right again is incorrect that i don't know i i can tell it just feels wrong right now tom this is not a good time to be invested i'll know when it feels right when the news is better and i'll tickle me elmo too so we'll we'll, we'll take that one up later but mistake <laughs> mistake elmo laugh. mistake number 2 and i do see this and this is really tragic in my mind is curtailing investing amid volatility. In other words, people have a lot of cash now. It's like $18 trillion worth of cash. They are keeping it. 65% of investors are keeping more than they should out of the stock market because they're afraid of losses, that from a recent survey. And there are many others who you know, have sold something. They've, they've come into money in some way, and they're saying, you know, I'll wait till and fill in the blank. The recession, the election... Till I feel better about it. Yeah, all those things you just mentioned. Till the market is less volatile. Which is a silly thing because the market is always volatile. Well, it has to be volatile. That's what you get rewarded for. So that's sad. That's And I think that's a fair one. And then here's mistake number three. Although this hasn't been as big this year because the opportunities are not much, and that is neglecting to rebalance your portfolio. So rebalancing is... Once you have a mix of stocks and bonds and other assets inside of those, some go up, some go down. You're selling the ones that have gone up. That doesn't sound fun, right? And buying the ones that went down. Um, but this year, kind of everything has gone down. Yeah, as a matter so of fact, help. I think everybody's version of rebalancing this past year has been tax loss selling to buy back the things and then buying back the things that are down later or buying something very similar immediately after taking the tax loss. That's my, that was my rebalancing this year. I yeah. didn't have, I had no opportunities. Everything was down equally. It was an equal opportunity down market. And remember with tax loss harvesting, which you just alluded to, you could sell securities that are down. You can book those losses for future capital gains. So next year, when you make money, you need to sell something to create cash to pay the bills that would be there for you. So I think that's a that's a good strategy. But we're really talking about rebalancing in a general sense. And and people, they you get kind of stuck, right? It's just not going to do anything. I'm just not going to, I'm I'm not going to buy anything. I'm not going to rebalance anything. I'm not going to continue to invest until. And the reality is this plan that you have, you, the investor, have it says nothing about until. It's because it's you are where you are and you need to stay focused on you not the market. And so then the next article, which by the way, this is how top ranked financial advisors are responding to near retiree concerns about inflation and longevity. Are these the same top ranked advisors? <laughs> well, but they interviewed different ones of them. Well, wait, which ones were top? Well, they interviewed the different ones of the 100. The second group. Well, they interviewed different of the 100. They go Well, back then to. so the second group could be the not so top as the first group. <laughs> not as good. Not as good uh, as them. So their advice I may not pay attention to. Not as much. This is an interesting one, though. Rising interest rates prompt pension concerns. 
right? As rates have gone up, yeah. some people see their pension value decline because the formula is assuming their money could pick up more interest in low to no risk investments. That has happened. And that has impacted some people's, let me just put it, decision on when to retire. I don't think it should have. I, it's not big enough, I don't think, in most cases to affect whether or not you retire. But it might make a difference between, for example, retiring this fall, the fall of 2022, or waiting until next year to see where interest rates are. That's yeah, an interesting one, thing to the, think about. The, the real dilemma comes uh, 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 with the question of whether to take a lump sum. If you have the the choice between a lump sum distribution and taking the uh, the the monthly annuity pension. over the rest of yeah. your life, mm-hmm. the pension, which really is just an annuity, by the way, correct? A pension is just an annuity. It's just another version of an annuity, uh, and that decision could be affected by these new assumptions that are going to go into a pl- into place for next year, these new higher rate assumptions, which just to me sounds silly because you're basing the future assumptions on current events that won't necessarily carry forward into the long-term future. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So, and, and again, people all, in all of these instances have a tendency to look at recency. We talked about that on a a recent podcast about how we all view things that have happened in the last few weeks or months as a greater importance than others, which is not a good idea. And also in judgment of, well, I got to do this right now. Your retirement is going to hopefully last, you know, 25 or 30 years. You got to think a little bit further down the road than looking at what's happened like this moment. Here's another one. And this is, I I see this regularly and it kind of goes to this. Um, that the, the the war on inflation, if you will, that has created a potential recession has also made people now in fixed income where they can earn four to five percent in fixed income investments. Now, this is something that we have talked about, Don. We've looked into, and I'm going to be uh, spending some more time talking about this uh, in my upcoming class with Paul Merriman. Is in fixed income now, it gets a pretty decent deals. So there's reasons to look at that again. Yeah, it's been a horrible year in terms of total return, but for actual yield, you can get some safe stuff now and make four to five percent. Yeah, and but again, this should not what the recency of this should not affect uh, really affect your long term decisions. This should have been part of a plan you had a long time ago, or if you don't have one, that you get right now, so that you don't react to the current events and you are merely doing what the plan says to do. You stole my thunder because I had three things because they had three things. Number one was have a plan. You can check it, but you don't change it based on what's happened recently. Number two, and we spent a lot of time on this on the program, and that is knowing your risk tolerance. Take the risk quiz. At TalkingRealMoney.com. Yeah, we understand exactly how much risk you can tolerate, understand how much you have to take. A lot of you I run into that I've talked to either taking way too little risk or way too much risk. Then you find out, no, I don't have to be 90% in 10 tech stocks. I could be 50% in a globally diversified portfolio. You need to know that. And here's the last part. No offense to CNBC's top 100 financial advisors, because I'm sure there's some great professionals there. I'm sure there are that take good care of their clients. No question. Well, but, my guess is um, that out of a hundred, based on uh, <laughs> national averages, yes, uh, that you'd be more accurate if you said, "I'm sure one of them is." 
Yeah, there, there you go. One because it is one. It's actually about one out of one hundred that are it's good. Shocking that are full time, one hundred percent fiduciaries. Which is my definition of good. That's fair. I, so here's what I trust: I trust academic work, not advisors who think, "Well, the wind's blowing this way." So I sh- we're seeing a lot of that right now. I think in politics too. Uh, I should go with that breeze because that's going to mean this, this, and this. No, I'm going to trust the academic work, which really says. You know, the markets are relatively efficient. I'm going to build the right portfolio. I'm going to keep my cost low, rebalance, and I won't forget about everything else that's going on every day because tomorrow it'll be something new in the news. I guarantee it. Gosh, Tom, that's the most boring advice I think I've I'm ever sorry. heard. I'm sorry. I tried to deliver man. in an interesting manner. So, yeah, it's pretty boring. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, he's absolutely positively correct. And the reality is, uh, according to all kinds of research done, including some done by uh, uh, MarketWatch a few years ago, (laughs) one out of 100 of the top financial advisors in America, one out of 100 are always required to act in your best interests. That is a pretty sad statement. It really is. And it Sadly, I keep thinking every year that's going to get better, but I still see most of you getting advice from duly registered advisors, right. most. People who can legally claim yep. to be acting as a fiduciary, and then they neglect to say the next word. Sometimes. Yeah. and yep, which brings, I'm acting as your fiduciary. Sometimes. Which sometimes. brings me to a question. Can we take sometimes. a question here? Yeah, sometimes we can take a question. Yeah, this comes from Bill in Bellingham. Bill in Bellingham. Dear, today's episode is brought to you by the letter B. (laughs) Apparently so. Dear Tom and Don, we got that part right. Thanks for a great podcast. I try to listen as much as I can. I've learned a lot. My question involves annuities. Mm -hmm. I have an advisor who works for a major brokerage. I'm not going to say the name of the brokerage nor the name of the advisor. But he claims to be a fiduciary, and recently on a visit, I came in, talked about my retirement plan, which includes moving my 401k out of the retirement plan, and he suggested buying an annuity with that. Can a 100% fiduciary sell me an annuity? The technically correct question is yes, sometimes. Sometimes. Sounds familiar. Sometimes. Not very often. But in this particular instance, the key phrase was big brokerage firm. Big brokerage firm. That means without a doubt, without any doubt whatsoever, that this person is not always acting as a fiduciary. Everybody wants to say they're a fiduciary today. It is the buzzword of the biz. Since we're on the letter B, the buzzword of the biz, B words. But, but, barring, no, barring, um, I I just threw the word barring in there. I don't know how it related to the sentence, but the reality is they can sell things for which they and their firm receive pretty hefty commissions. And in the case of this annuity, I am, uh, as Dove Soap was, I am 99.99% sure, not pure, 
but 99.99% certain that this is a commissioned product and therefore the recommendation thereof is outside of the realm of fiduciary, of the, the advisor's fiduciary responsibility. Where are my hats? And what you're saying is if you receive a commission on a product, you can't be a fiduciary? That is correct, sir. And, and I think this is, correct me if I'm wrong, and I know you will, there's still some debate in the industry about that, about whether or not you can still be a fiduciary oh, and get a commission. Yeah, because that's what they want. But the reality is, oh, okay, I, I take it back. Let me let me qualify that a little bit. Sure. Sometimes? You can be, sometimes. You <laughs> could conceivably be a fiduciary and sell a commissioned product if you fully disclose the commission and and you show the client you show the client that this is a better product for the client than any of the alternatives on the market so yes. you have to look at the entire world of you potential. pretty much would you, wow. you in the case of an annuity you would have to say wait is there an annuity that i could get my client into that would have a lower fee or commission up front or would have lower fees along the way. Is there one that is of comparable quality, same kind of an insurance company, for which I would not receive a commission? Then if that's the case, you would not be acting as a fiduciary if you sold them. You'd be violating your fiduciary responsibility. But that's where they would fall into the broker-dealer designation, the registered rep designation, which says you don't have to act as a fiduciary. That's why this industry is such a mess. Thank you, Securities and Exchange Commission, for making it clear as mud. And you know why I hate them? Because I I had someone, well, why I hate annuities. Because I had someone call me this week who said, hey, I found an annuity that's going to make 6.8% a year, an immediate annuity that's going to make. I no, said, it's no, not going to make. It's going to pay the, out. This is the part that, that, and after people hear that, that's all. They don't hear anything else. Right. It doesn't, doesn't matter. They're going to make me six. No, they're, they're going to Do the math. Actually, if you sat back. down and did the math on that annuity, you would find that the money you get every month would Mostly be yours. Mostly be your money yeah. because it takes 20 years for you to get back to what you put in. And then you have to live more than 20 years for anything going on, going forward to be an actual return on your money. Yeah. It's not making. It's return of your principal with some small amount of interest. Maybe some small amount of interest. Again, yeah. you have Good to point. live past about 20 years from when you start an immediate annuity for anything to be gravy. And this is again all I and and, and not picking on anybody listening, but I all am. you heard was the six point eight, right? I'm making six. No, you're not making six. Anyway, enough said there. So great question, no, thank you, never Bill. Never enough said there. <laughs> never <laughs> ever the prop. We this is again back to our job security. As long as the industry is allowed to basically police itself and do whatever it wants to do and still claim it is acting in the client's best interest we're we're going to there's going to be a need for somebody like us out there and there aren't very many there really aren't I, as a matter of fact tom i listen to a lot of podcasts and i haven't found not i haven't found one not one not one wow. that tells the truth the way we do Almost all of them are, you know, there may be one. Hey, if you found one, 
where they don't they don't advocate the commission products or are they believe in a in in, in this divination of of uh, powers between salespeople and and advisors let me know but i have not found it yet and i've looked it's what is usually self-serving the, uh, <laughs> quest for the grail is that what okay. you're saying just, <laughs> sorry and the grail is not in england by the way <laughs> I, there is no reason why the grail would be in england my what lord what are you doing now we're if averting there is our a eyes. grail it's <laughs> in the middle east you fools exactly. 855-935-talk that's a phone number i want to give you call us on that number 24/7 or call us on that number on Saturdays from three to five Eastern time. Uh, and we'll help you get answers to your questions about money. You can also send them into talkingrealmoney.com where you can also spend a little time with one of our advisors for free for nothing with no obligation and no high pressure sales pitch, period. You do not have to worry about that. Just go to talkingrealmoney.com and click on talk to an advisor or something like that. It's right there at the top of the page. So, Tom, do you have anything you want to add? Because we're at 20 minutes. We got to go. I want to say thank you to all of you who continue to listen to us. Thank you. <laughs> both of you. Thank you. Thank you both. Okay, our numbers. Actually, they were pretty good last week. We're 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 running at a at a nice pace. We're we're our listeners are up. Thank you all for being a part of this. I'm Don. That is Tom over there. And uh pretty much every day, we're talking real money. Hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. As you keep the lawyers happy.